Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondercheck, and I am here with Marilyn. Hey, guys, I'm Marilyn Chakota with Marilyn Chakota Coaching. You can find everything on me at mcc.coach. Excited to have a conversation with you today, Jesse. Always enjoy our chats in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, and it is just the two of us today, so... Um, hopefully you don't mind hearing our voices. You're going to hear a lot of it over the next hour. A uh, little, little one-on-one time with Marilyn and I. Nice. And actually, um, in the spirit of this episode, it harkens me back to one of my longest days in the saddle where uh, Marilyn took me on a little adventure where it, it was a fair amount of, uh, of one-on-one time then as well. <laughs> That's right. It's so funny. You're so great because I said, hey, do you want to come do this gravel ride with me? And you knew really nothing about the route or anything. I said, it's pretty long. And you said, it will be, will I be okay on my road bike? And I said, yeah, probably it'll be fine. <laughs> and I think we were, you were so patient with me that day. Cause it, I was cracked at the end. Cause it was pretty hot. And, uh, it was, what is it like eight and a half hours out there? Right. Yeah. Something like that. It was like Ironman time. It was yeah. a long day. Dang. That <laughs> was a long day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a, a good day on gravel bikes. And given that uh, when this podcast airs, Unbound will have just happened, one of the maybe the biggest gravel race in the United States, got us thinking about gravel. And so we thought we would chat uh, with each other and you guys about about gravel racing and you know maybe how to approach that as as a multi sport athlete versus what a single sport athlete might do. Was uh, and we're going to start with this and then see where, see where the conversation takes us. Yeah. I think, you know, like unbound in particular, we were just looking up the times actually. So what did we work out? There was only eight people under 11 hours, even, uh, someone we know here in Arizona, who's been national champion on criterium racing, very, very accomplished cyclist, uh, wins a, a he had won some big USA, you know, races tour utah tour colorado that thing those kinds of things so really really good rider and even when he did it he was over 11 hours Mm -hmm. so uh top male winning times are somewhere where we say right around 10 hours uh, yeah like 10 10 15 somewhere in there yep and then the fastest women were right around 12 12 and a half hours in that range the the top top number of women so really, really long day in the saddle. So I think it's like now that gravel has gotten so popular and there's so many options to do, you know, 60 miles, a hundred miles, 150 miles, you know, unbound is 200 miles. These are, you know, great things to be excited about, but really, really long days in the saddle that I think it, it's good to have a conversation about what that preparation might look for look like for someone who does multi-sport and they still need to swim and they still need to run and be ready for that long of day. And when we say long day in the saddle, it's different than a 200 mile race on the, on the road. I mean, the impact on your hands and your shoulders and how much slower you move in the dirt and just that whole dynamic of being, you know, on, on washboard and slow moving, slow moving road is just completely different. And, you know, I think, you know, give some people some ideas if they want to enter these races on different ways they can approach their, their preparation for them. Yeah. And like even, even simple things that we take for granted as, as triathletes, where 
you know, in an Ironman, you have a buffet every what, like 12 miles on the bike course. Like they're, they're all the time, right. Where you can get fresh water, get all this other stuff. Whereas unbound or these gravel races, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, and yes, there, there's probably eight stations in places, but you're going to be going a lot further without aid and you're going to have to carry a lot more on you. And then like Marilyn said, when you're riding on gravel, it's not like you can just set a timer on your watch and be like, Oh, I'm going to throw in 10 gummy bears every 15 minutes because you're going to be on washboard or whatever else. And yeah, it presents a whole new set of challenges that stress you like kind of in every aspect of riding. So yeah, it's definitely a big challenge and it definitely takes a lot of time to recover. And, um, and yeah, I just, just to really put in perspective, the size of, of like a 12 hour ride, I don't know how many people listening have ever done a 12 hour ride, probably not a ton. And for most people, I never, like I never have, I've never ridden my bike that long. That's so long. Yeah, no, I, I never have either. I, <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a huge desire to maybe someday, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, if you think about like a six hour ride being a really long ride, if it takes you 12 and a half hours, you're not even halfway done yet after six hours, which is, yeah. that, that's the top riders. So if you think about, let's take uh, top rider time. So in an Ironman, 112 miles, the men's fastest times are somewhere between, let's say 405 and 420, right? For a lot of courses. Yeah. yeah. And it's taking the top men on these courses, you know, set, let's say same kind of course, a hundred a hundred miles, let's say 115 mile or 112 mile gravel course, the top men, they're going to be more like six and a half, seven, seven and a half hours, depending on the technical um, difficulty of the course, uh, you know, things like Belgian waffle and all of those ones. So like, it's just good to get perspective of how much slower these two things are, you know, right. and how much, how different they are. So yeah, it'd be very easy to be out there for 15 hours in a race like Unbound. Like that would be, that would still probably be like a solid time if you came in in 15 hours. Heck yeah, yeah. And so even like, you know, as a multi-sport athlete looking at these events and you're going, well, I've, I've raced Ironman. So I've raced for 12 hours. I know what it's like to be actually out there aerobically for 10, 12, 13, 14 hours. So you might do that comparison as you're looking at these races. I, I've definitely heard that. Or you might say, yeah, I've done, I've done Lodajaw, which is a 200 mile road race, which again, a very, very different type of event, even though that's hilly, it's still on pavement. So, you know, in an Ironman, you get to, you're changing up the sports, obviously the only part of the bike section is 112 miles. And then, so just being on your bike for 10 to, you know, who knows how long hours, and then having it be on really rough, hard surface that is, that's how people need to think about these events when they're looking at their preparation and deciding, Hey, we are talking about this. Should I be planning to do these types of events in the middle of my triathlon season? Right? Like, is there actually a place for these when we're being specific in our triathlon season and, you know, going from race or our races that are a races in triathlon, is it appropriate and specific enough to be adding these events in as well as have our triathlon goals and, and how does that all fit in? Yeah, I think that's it. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about preparing, getting an athlete ready to race a race like unbound. And, you know, for, 
sticking to what we know best, let's talk about a multi-sport athlete who, who is getting ready for, it doesn't have to be unbound, but like a, a long gravel race. Um, and I guess you've actually, you've coached an athlete who's done unbound in the past, right? So you have some like real hands-on experience with this race in particular, but, um, but yeah, I guess just in general, how do you prepare an athlete to be physically ready to endure a race like that while maintaining a little bit of, uh, of multi-sport? Yeah. The athlete that I prepared for this, um, she actually did want to continue running and swimming just a little bit. Uh, it was during COVID. So swimming ended up getting taken out of the picture through that period of time, just on its own. So we didn't maintain that, but there was the goal to continue to run just a little bit. And one conversation that we did have to have is that as we got within a certain window of the race, we needed to run less and less. So when we were far out from in the preparation of getting ready for it, you know, there was lots of flexibility there and it was just added um, fitness to the pile. However, the closer we got, like most events, the closer that we got, the more specific we needed to get. And, you know, we did, and she was also someone who works a full-time job and was time limited and, and also, and, and she wasn't going there to try and win, but she was a, an accomplished athlete who's very successful and talented. So she, you know, she wasn't going to be at the back half of the race, but definitely, um, you know, wanting to race well within the time that she had with these goals of still wanting to be able to run a little bit as well. And I think probably the most important things that we did is that we really stacked the weekends. You know, we stacked back to back really long days on the weekend. And the, the things that you need to prepare for is it's the funny things, you know, your neck, your hands that long in the saddle, how, how is your body going to handle your nutrition when you're out there that long? Um, hydration, continue to be able to take in hydration and nutrition as you go. Um, you know, your feet, your feet are a big issue. Feet and hands are a really big issue. And, um, you know, the gear, as far as, you know, needing lights later on things that you might not think of that, that has to be taken into consideration. And so just mentally knowing you're going to be out there for so long and preparing your body for, you know, all the little things that might not come up in a five or six hour ride. And, and usually they're not necessarily about your fitness anymore, as much as they are about how can you, you know, keep going and have your body keep absorbing calories and hydration and, um, you know, withstand the discomfort and pain and in weird spots and all of those kinds of things. Yeah. I always like to think about the contact points, like hands, saddle and feet as being pretty important in any event, but especially in something like that, right. Where you're going to be like using those three contact points for a really long time. So making sure you have those pretty well taken care of, um, is going to be super important. Yeah. We did a lot of, as it got closer, you know, we increased the frequency and specific intensity within her weekdays. Cause she was very time limited during the week. And so those sessions, they got, they didn't lengthen out in duration much during the week. We just started to get more specific. Like I say, we took out the running a little bit more, got more frequency with the cycling, the sessions within the week got more specific in terms of intervals that were geared towards that event and what was going to be required to hold, you know, power across the dirt, that kind of thing, and have the strength to be able to do that. 
uh, we did very some really different things in the gym to prepare her shoulders and hands and upper body to be able to handle gravel for that long. Upper body strength is a big deal with that kind of stuff and neck strength, those kinds of things. And then we just really had to stack the weekends, you know, and, and prepare for, okay, you might ride a seven hour day on Saturday, but then you're going to get up and do six hours the next day too. So those kinds of, you know, it's not the same as going continuously for that long in terms of what your gut can handle and, and all of those things. But if you're, you know, looking at how can I do this the best way possible and, and, and have a good result, that's one approach. And that's the approach we took and, and it seemed to work pretty well. And that, that helps you recover too, right? Cause if you go out and do a 13 hour training day in one day, that's going to be really hard to recover from. Whereas if you do kind of break it up, like, yeah, a seven hour day and a six hour day is still going to be hard to recover from. But since you have kind of that rest between, I think it, yeah, it takes a little bit, a little bit less time to, uh, to bounce back from. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, 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 when you're wanting to do a single sport event, whether it be ultra running or these gravel events, and you're a multi-sport athlete, you know, I have a couple athletes that are triathletes by heart and they want to do like a year of bike racing. You know, I've got a, a few people like that. And I always say to them, we need to just keep touching and just keep in the rotation enough each week on the swim and the run that when we go to introduce this back in, you're not starting from complete scratch, you know, and, and especially with the run, I can tell you, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of that myself where, you know, obviously as a trath, well, I was a cyclist and then I was a triathlete and then just a pure cyclist. And then even in, as a, you know, retired now from racing professionally had many cycles of, you know, going off and doing other sports for a little while and then coming back to cycling and then coming back to triathlon and, the one that is the hardest that if you, when you decide to do single sport events like this, if you don't maintain it just a little bit is running and the older you get, the harder it is, you know, you're just, everything hurts. <laughs> I mean, it's not even about speed or pace anymore. It's just like, it's going to take a while for your body to be able to handle running again. And my good friend, Justin Darren, and I talk about that all the time. It's the one reason he always runs. He's never, ever taken a complete break from running because he he's always said like if once you once you stop running that's just setting yourself up for all kinds of injuries and and those kinds of things and and the older you get the more true that is actually even just recently you know I've been bike racing like crazy for the last couple of years and I decided recently I'd like to you know incorporate being more triathlete style again and you know swim comes back pretty pretty quickly and easily but it is it's just that that run so I've gotten off on a side tangent here but my point is that when you decide to do one of these big single sport events, the timing of where you put it in your year is important and being specific about your goals. And then understanding that, Hey, you should keep touching on the other two sports just a little bit, you know, and, and every single week so that you don't get too far away from it for when you want to bring it back in. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I've seen that with myself coming back from injury um, in my, in my advanced age now that when I have to got to, if I have to take any time off of running, it is hard to get back in a groove. And once I get in a groove, it's fine. But even, even just post Ironman, like not that long ago after Texas, I think I took like five or six days off of running and I started running again. I was like, Oh, that was too much. I should have just done like a 20 minute or on the treadmill or something a few days after it just, um, yeah. So maintaining that frequency with running is definitely super important. 
Um, that's so and, funny for you to say five or six days is like taking a break. I love that because for me, it was like, I took four years off, <laughs> four years versus four days. I'm like, let, let's talk about coming back. <laughs> you know, like, did you take a break? Yeah, I took a week. How long do you take? Years. <laughs> like, <laughs> once you hit that certain threshold though, it's basically the same, right? You take two weeks <laughs> off of running, you might as well take four years. Yeah. Like Thailand, same, same, but different. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. So, sorry, taking a step back to the, the prep for, uh, for bigger gravel days like that. Um, when you're doing those big days, did you ever incorporate intensity or was it just like, Hey, just practice riding your bike kind of steady for a long time? No. So for, so for that athlete in particular, we saved all the intensity for the short sessions during the week, Sure. And yeah. we did, you know, specific prep workouts for the race. So the, the sessions were geared around, you're going to, you're going to do this set that is specific for getting ready. And obviously that evolved as we got closer to the actual race, um, Mm -hmm. and the handling training, the handling, the dynamic of the race. And then those big days, it was as simple. And, and, and let's put this in some context. This was a very experienced athlete. She raced professionally at a top level for Ironmans had some good results. So this wasn't someone who, didn't you know know how to go out and ride a bike pretty hard on her own anyway she would pick uh groups get groups together and routes that were on gravel that were challenging enough no intervals were required it was like okay you're gonna go do this you know 100 mile day and then the next day you're gonna back it up with a 60 or 70 mile day and the routes had plenty of climbing uh plenty of challenging terrain and the people that she rode with were were you know good peers that pushed her. And so there was no sense in putting in, you know, some kind of intervals. We just left those for during the week and, and the sessions that needed to be one hour or, you know, 90 minutes, then we gave intervals for that. Gotcha. Cool. Um, you know, it's interesting. and, And there's a few guys in Tucson that are kind of like professional gravel riders or professional bike racers that race a lot in the gravel scene. And I've watched them do kind of um, a bigger version of the same thing where they'll do like a seven or 10 day riding block like that, where they ride big days back to back to back to back to back to back to back in order to get ready for a race, like, like unbound. And so it is, it is kind of like that same thing, just, um, exponential, um, but kind of following those same principles where it's just like, Hey, we're going to pick a hard ride or pick a, um, they actually, the guys I'm talking about did a, like a, a bike packing tour through Southern Arizona. And so they're riding like six hours every day, just going from spot to spot on, on challenging terrain. And, and like, you're talking about like no intervals, just kind of surviving the ride. And in chatting with those guys, it seemed like that was like really good preparation for those big gravel days. And even though they, they're not ever hitting that that 12 hour ride or anything, just like these kind of longer days that they're, that they're stacking on top of each other. So I do think that capitalizing on the weekend can be a really good, like mini version of that. If, especially if that's what you have to work with. Yeah. I found actually for most really big endurance events and you just get actually a lot stronger and fitter for them and not as um, slow and beat up if you do cumulative big days. And, and so like for an example, even as a bike racer, I would, instead of doing even some of my triathletes, I might have them do back-to-back days on the bike on the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just doing 
you know, uh, short rides or, you know, three big rides a week, like instead of saying, okay, we're going to only ride our bike three times and each time is going to be, you know, three hours. I would rather say, let's ride five days a week. And then we're going to do two back-to-back days on the weekend that are of, you know, pretty high quality. And there may be both, you know, somewhere between three and four hours. So instead of saying, well, we're going to do, you know, six hours on Saturday and three hours on Tuesday and, you know, two hours on Thursday and that's it, but you've got this big long one on Saturday, I'd rather have more frequency and have more of them, you know, be two, four hour days on the weekend than that one, six hour day on the weekend. Does that make sense? Um, totally. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm just, but, and I found that over an extended period of time, once you can do that, increasing the work rate within the, those blocks, I find athletes get a lot stronger and fitter than just saying, let's go out and ride six hours or, you know, let's go out and ride a seven and a half hour day just on Saturday and you don't do anything on Friday or Sunday. So it's much harder to do a four hour, four hour, say you ride lemon and do some steady, hard climbing up lemon on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you do a really hard time trial session for four hours. If you look at that and the work in that over time, the athlete's much fitter than that one six and a half hour day where they, you know, maybe just went and rode their bike around aerobically. Yeah. Well, I, and I think is, is that most people can't kind of like push hard enough on the pedals for six hours to get that much gain out of it. Right. If you're, if you're going to ride for six hours, you're gonna be like, Oh, well, I've got to basically ride like zone one or like maybe creep into zone two. Cause I've got to be able to stay on my bike for six hours. But again, if you break that up, maybe you can get a little more quality in there. So like the cumulative TSS is, is higher than that one six hour day, just cause they can't ride hard enough. Um, and I think it does like, I remember distinctly my first six hour ride coming down to Tucson when I didn't live here. And just, I mean, I think I averaged like 15 and a half miles an hour. And this was when I was like, still, I was racing professionally, but I'm just like noodling around by the end. Cause I'm so tired. Um, and you know, it's like, well, a decade later, I can actually kind of push pretty hard in the pedals for six hours, but that took a really long time to actually make that six hour ride worth it. Like looking back on that, that was really silly. I should have just ridden three hours and then three hours the next day, because I got like, all I got was dehydrated in those last three hours of, of my, of my six hour ride. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was like some mental milestones, which I think is definitely important. But I do think if we're talking about actual like physical benefit. Yeah. You can definitely get, get more out of uh, breaking it up and kind of setting that up through the week appropriately to, uh, to get yourself ready for a big day without, without actually having a huge day like that uh, in your lead up. I do think it's important though, with these, like these types of events to practice some things that will come into play and in specific, like these 150 mile ones, 200 mile ones, like unbound is, you know, what are you going to feel like riding at night? You know, your lights, how do those work? How do you feel riding that late? So there are little things that as far as like time of day, that if you want to get more and more specific, you should look at in your very final preparation. Now, if that's something that is not, that doesn't worry you and you're not concerned about that, but you know, you should know what it feels like really late in the day when you're tired and now it's dark and you can just see with your bike lights, uh, how do you feel? Can you navigate? Can you handle your bike as well as you did? And you're going to be quite fatigued and, and, you know, probably a little weary and, and bonked and that kind of thing. So 
now suddenly the light's gone too. So those kinds of things are things to think about with some of these big events for people and being specific in your preparation. The the back-to-back days approach also does help if you're wanting to maintain your multi-sport in there. You know, you can use the swim as a recovery and some extra aerobic conditioning. Um, keeping those, you could, you know, every... I just had a, um, an athlete that rode across the country and I tried to incorporate just a little bit of running where I'd say, okay, well, just off these days, every second day, run 10 minutes off the bike or hop up in the morning and go run 20 minutes and then start your day on the bike, you know? And so it's just encouraging her to, to do a little bit of that if it was possible so that when we got back from this huge trip or we weren't going to be starting from scratch in terms of running. Yeah. Speaking of the kind of the back-to-back days and the riding in different times, one thing I've done for myself and other people doing like the, the 24 hour in town, which is kind of another kind of endurance event is, um, is doing like a Friday night ride and then backing it up with a Saturday morning ride. So you're kind of doing that practicing riding at night. Cause I do think that's really important, especially if it's not in your wheelhouse. And it's also, I know most triathletes are like kind of type a and usually ride in the morning right? Like maybe they have like a, a, a nighttime group ride or something, but I guess, especially in Arizona, most people ride early and you just get in that habit of like, well, you know, I'm used to riding early and I know that if I eat peanut butter puffins, I'm going to be good to go. And, and that's just like, you know what I do, but it, yeah, it's a different beast when you're trying to ride at six o'clock at night, um, from, you know, I guess a nutrition standpoint to get ready for that ride. But then also like, well, yeah, what's that like? So I do think, yeah, that's really important. It's kind of like throwing in a, an afternoon run once in a while, because you know, your Ironman is going to have you running in the afternoon. Like, even if I do most of my quality in the morning, because I'm type A, but, you know, occasionally it is good to, to throw in, you know, an afternoon jog to say, Hey, it, I can actually still run at one o'clock in the afternoon, even though I never do that. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's good as far as, especially with running. I mean, it's like everyone says, we don't want to run when it's too hot. I want to get up and get it done early, or I don't know what my stomach's going to feel like later in the day. And it's, it's like, oh, we, we, you want to be familiar with that stuff before you get out on the race course. Cause you know, if you think 95 degrees is, is hot in the afternoon and you don't want to run, well, guess what? That's when your race is, you're going to be out there in the, in the marathon or half marathon or, or whatever. And it's going to be mid afternoon and it's going to be, you know, the hottest part of the day. So at least some exposure to that, I think is important. It doesn't need to be all the time, but I think some is definitely important, but the going from daylight to dark time, you know, darkness with your, with your bike lights on gravel is a whole nother thing. You know, I think even just, I mean, you've ridden on gravel. Sometimes that stuff's pretty hard to navigate, even in daylight. So you got chunky rock or washboard or something like that. And all of a sudden, all you've got is your bike lights. You'd want to be really comfortable with those bike lights and know that you can see enough to navigate that stuff. Totally. Yeah. And not, I, I feel like it actually helped my riding because I learned to just send it a little bit more, but, uh, it's definitely good to, to know what that's like. Um, and, and know, kind of know what you are actually looking at because it does change like how shadows work and, and it can really kind of throw you, especially when you're tired, which guess what? You've been riding all day and then you turn lights on, you're probably going to be tired. So yeah, having some experience as far as like what that's like and what that feels like is, is super important. Um, all right. That was a lot about the preparation. Let's, let's kind of switch gears here. And, to, and I guess we've already talked about it, that this is a big day. It's going to take a fair amount to recover from, um, 
just from an entire fatigue standpoint, even if you're riding the whole thing fairly easy, let's say you're not going for the win, you're just going to go try and finish, but it is a lot of fatigue in one day. So recovery is going to be really like, it's going to take a while and it's going to be pretty important for this. And then how does that factor in the rest of your season? So that that's one thing I want to kind of touch on here because there are more gravel races popping up and I think it's great. I think it's a great thing for triathletes to do, to get out there get some more bike skills, get in a really good, long, hard effort. But I think it's important to kind of fit that in appropriately because as we've been talking about, you're going to need to get ready for that on a gravel bike. And that's time away from the TT bike. That's time away from a lot of time away from running and probably a fair amount of time away from swimming. So how do you fit that into a multi-sport calendar? Yeah, I think, I mean, I know you're just the one that just asked that question, but I think it's, uh, that's a good one. I know of an athlete of yours that is a training partner of mine that is that exact example right now. And I'd like to hear what you're doing because, you know, this athlete just finished St. George World Championships, is going to be going to Kona uh, at the World Championships. He's a good athlete. He's fast. And he's also registered for Belgian Waffle Ride and some of these big gravel rides right smack in the middle of the season here. So um, I know you just asked me that question, but I would just want to flip the table on you a little bit here because I know that you're in the middle of programming for that, for an athlete with that specific, um, you know, challenge right there. Um, oh, the tables have turned. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess the first thing that I wanted to make sure w is that we were totally recovered from Ironman. So probably a, a bigger kind of like rest block, if you will, than I would normally give, because I know that we're going to have a big summer of racing and that's going to go basically straight into a big Kona build. So we almost did like a, a mini season break, even though it's, it's kind of early, if you think about it as an entire year, but uh, take a little mini season break now, make sure we're nice and fresh and ready to go because it is going to be fairly full gas gravel racing through Kona. Um, and I guess the other unfortunate thing that does play well into this though, is that there, uh, he is dealing with like a slight running injury. So we naturally are backing off the running a lot anyways, that frees up a lot more time to ride the bike. Uh, so it kind of plays into what we would be doing anyways, which is yeah, backing off that run and like, luckily for him, he is a really pretty runner. And, and so I, I, if we just can maintain a little bit of frequency, like ideally still be running three times a week and nothing super long or hard, maybe the occasional fourth run, just shorties, like you're talking about, like 20 minutes off the bike here and there. And then, and then, yeah, really working on some strength on the bike. Um, I think that's one thing that can actually really come back and suit him well and honestly most athletes well when they come back to triathlon i think you can yeah get it gaining muscular endurance is is only going to help once you can kind of fit that back in so i'm actually excited to to get him to do you know some more climbing and some some more low cadence work and really just yeah get get as strong as we can on the bike and and riding on hard terrain, kind of slow is a, is a pretty good way to get strong. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for him to be able to go through this 
and then come out the other side, fr- freshen up a little bit and then kind of dive back into triathlon training. Um, so if I'm and- hearing right, it's that, you know, we kind of had a side conversation before the start of this and you'd made mention at the, uh, just a few minutes ago about there's some risk about not being specific enough all year in the middle of your tri season, it takes away from it. So time off the tri bike, you're not being specific with swim, bike and run enough through the season. However, the example that you're giving here, it sounds like it could almost be a benefit and you're not so worried about that. So there, there is like two sides to this coin a little bit when it comes to planning out the season and what can, what can work and what could be maybe a bit of risk. Yeah, totally. And, and I think the, the nicest thing about this is that the gravel races are over the summer and then Kona is in the fall. So it, we have like kind of two distinct blocks and we almost had three because we had like a triathlon block getting ready for St. George. Now we have a gravel racing block and then we have another triathlon block. So it's not like he's like, Hey, I'm going to do Ironman Lake Placid in, in July. And I'm going to do two gravel races in the lead up for that. And then two gravel races after that. And then Kona, it's like, Hey, we're, we're going to actually like break up the season into thirds. And so I think that's been, um, it's, and that happened before me like that. So I, I didn't orchestrate that. So I can't take credit for it, but he did a really good job. Um, kind of breaking up the season appropriately so that we, we do have some time where it's okay to not be specific and we can say, Hey, let's, let's take a little time away from the TT bike. Let's just get strong on the gravel bike. And then we'll have time to incorporate that TT bike back in well ahead of the race. There's not going to be any, any of my favorite panic training for two weeks to try and figure out how to ride a TT bike again. It's going to be like, Hey, now we've got like three months to focus on Kona. So I think that's the thing that's, um, that's making it work really well for this athlete where I've seen other people are like, you know, I'll just throw some gravel races in my lead up instead of my Saturday long ride. I'll just go do a Saturday hundred mile gravel ride without really understanding the ins and the outs of actually how hard that can be. And, and how you do need to, like, we're talking about prepare for that specifically. So, and, the, and the recovery from it too, right? Like a hundred, we were just talking about earlier in the episode is that a hundred mile gravel race is somewhere between a seven and a half and an eight and a half hour day. Maybe for some people it's six, six and a half, depending on the course, whatever. It's a really long, hard day. And so if that trickles into the recovery of that whole following week, that might be a key swim, bike and run week, um, for your triathlon goals and event. Now that's when it becomes a problem. And all of a sudden you might see the athlete getting a little bit too tired or they end up injured or something like that. So, so I think the main takeaway we can say here is the, the, if you're going to incorporate these different events in your triathlon season, there's certainly space for it, but it needs to be well thought out and planned in terms of timing for sure. And not just sort of thrown in as extra days here and there and, and understand the true impact of those. Would you say like his increase? So we had the natural reduction in running, where would you say, like, what was a week like him normally look like for cycling in a, in a track in his triathlon build. And now in the gravel part, how different does that look like number of days, hours, intensity, and then same with the swim, like, is, have you backed we know you backed off the run for specific reasons, but also, um, you know, with the swim, is it like, okay, he was swimming five days a week. Now he's only swimming two or is he's no, he's still swimming five. Like, how does that all look? 
Uh, so yeah, starting with the swim, uh, is swimming like five to six days a week. And we'll honestly probably keep that right around there. Like th- this guy likes to swim. So that's not going to be something he's going to want to take away. And I I'm all for that, but I think what we are going to do is we're going to pull a ton of intensity out of those and pull back on the volume. Like he's probably not going to do very many four to five K swims anymore and do a lot more two to three K swims. Um, and yeah, keeping those a lot, like a lot of those would be recovery swims. We, and then we'll just sneak in a little bit of intensity in there. Like whether it's some hard 25s or just like some short threshold sessions to stay in touch with that so that we can kind of expand on it pretty easily after, but just a lot of staying in touch with the water and a lot of like focus on recovery with just a little bit of intensity in there, as opposed to doing like, you know, he he got into some pretty heavy Ironman sets, you know, like 4k of work in there to get ready for an Ironman. So yeah, kind of veering away from that, but staying in touch that we do need to do that again. It's not so far gone. Right. Yeah. Um, And as far as like specificity in the bike before, you know, there is in general, he would have like one kind of medium long ride and then one longer ride. And, uh, and then depending that the longer ride would often just be kind of like an aerobic ride. And then the medium long ride would have some pace work in there, like Ironman pace work. And then usually we did a fair amount of like threshold work and that won't look much different except before those are spread out, right? Those would be like days in between. And now, like we were talking about before is like, those are going to start to be pushed together. Like it might be threshold Friday, long ride, Saturday, long ride, Sunday. So now all of a sudden he's trying to figure out how to do a long ride on Sunday when he's kind of smashed from me making him ride hard on Friday, ride long on Saturday, and then ride kind of long and hard again on Sunday. Um, yeah, to help get ready for those big days. Cause again, I'm not going to have him ride 10 hours because yeah, that's probably not going to serve him as well as doing something like three days or two days that are stacked on top of each other and, and kind of yeah, push, pushing those rides together. And, and again, it is helpful that we can just take that long run out of the mix and, and give him like, you know, 45 minute hour run a few days later and, and then sprinkle in a few 20, 30 minutes in there to just, again, keep in touch with that. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's good. I know that for me, like in the last couple of years with all the bike racing I was doing the, the, I felt like the key part to my program every week was that I always did a Friday ride that was on my, either on my own or with just a couple of friends that was just go ride, but I would always ride about three or four hours. And so I would show up at the hard group ride on Saturday, pretty tired actually. And then I would give it everything I've got on that Saturday ride you know, we got some great local group rides here that are really hard, you know, the, the BR ride, the shootout, um, those kinds of things. And I would show up to those and everyone would always say to me, you know, if you didn't show up to these so tired, you could probably do even better. And I thought, well, I, I was doing that on purpose. You know, I would ride three hours on, I would rest on Thursday I'd ride about three hours, just go ride, whatever. Um, on, on Friday. And then I would show up to the group ride a little tired. I'd absolutely smash myself as hard as I could on Saturday. And then Sunday I would go climb lemon. 
And so I had to climb steady following those two days. And then Monday would be a rest and recovery day. And so those three back-to-back days, I felt like over the two years, and then I would, you know, a lot of times I would struggle on the group rides, but then I would show up at a race and perform really well. And everyone would be maybe even a tiny bit surprised by the performance that I put in at the races. And they didn't know that when I showed up on Saturday, I was pretty smashed already. And so, um, but doing that consistently week in and week out, I felt like was actually a key part of the recipe of why when I did rest and I did show up at a race, I had a lot of gears and I had a lot of gears in the back half of the race. I was able to race really hard, um, you know, later, later in the race and, and put some good results for the last couple of years. So you're telling me your goals were not to win the group ride. I was not trying to win the group ride. I'd smash myself on the group ride, but smashing myself and winning looked a lot different. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I actually, I think that's a really good kind of model. And I think people can, there's some good takeaways there where I see a lot of people that are kind of like trying to maybe rest for that Saturday ride. And that can be good once in a while, right. To, to get those really high Watts, get that really really quality workout. But I think for most of the year, you know, if you, if you can carry a little fatigue, whatever that is, like I have played around um, myself with doing like a VO two workout on Friday before the Saturday group ride or, or like a threshold workout and then showing up and, and kind of seeing like how that affects, how that affects me. And I, I think your approach might be better. I wouldn't necessarily do two VO two workouts back to back on your own. And then in the group ride. Um, but I, it is like, you know, it's interesting, an interesting experiment and you can kind of learn a lot about by yourself. And I, and I do think again, like if what you're going for is to be strong for a long time, then like putting yourself in that situation where you're trying to ride strong on tired legs is, is what is going to help you get there. Right. And it was, yeah, the combination of and I did get gears about it a lot because everybody in this town is like, you rest or ride easy on Friday. And then you absolutely come to the Saturday ride. Like it's race. And I would come to the Saturday ride. Like it was a race, but I was um, coming in with, you know, a lot more fatigue in my legs, but like you say on purpose. And then even by the time it was that combination, but then having to wake up on Sunday and back it up with climbing lemon and usually with a pretty handy group, you know, where it was, we're not going to just ride a noodle up lemon. We're going to ride pretty steady. And I would be sort of that grumpy pants, like dying, usually going up the climb, but there was, I always knew there was good reason for it. I was like, I'm dying because I'm really, really tired. And then I would rest on Monday. So the the key things I was resting on Thursday and I was resting on Monday, but those three days stacked every week made for when, you know, I went to big races and I was able to freshen up and, and perform well. So, so things like that, I think also work for, you know, if you're adding, if you're doing some of these big, you know, I would go and I would go and do Chino or I would go and do uh, Rebecca's private Idaho and those types of races and, and do, do well, you know? Awesome. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's some good takeaways in there and how people could kind of set up even their triathlon training, or if they're getting ready for some of these bigger days like this, because I think, yeah, it all plays a role, right? Like one of the kind of standard combos is that Saturday long ride, Sunday long run. And it's got that same similar thing, right? Where you're kind of stacking those back-to-back days instead of just doing your long run Saturday night. Um, Yeah. I I do that actually with quite a few of my triathletes that have no interest whatsoever in doing gravel or anything like that. But that's one thing I do for some athletes in, in certain times of their program is I'll have them do, you know, a key long ride on Saturday, and then we'll actually do a brick or something like that on Sunday, where it's like, might be a two and a half hour ride or two hour ride. And then the long 
the, the longish run off of that. So cumulatively might be six hours of riding from basically Saturday morning to Sunday afternoon, and then they have to do their long run um, right off of that. And, and, you know, that's usually pretty challenging weekend for people. It's like, that's no joke for sure, but it's very specific in, in preparation when you get that much quality across let's say six hours or even seven hours worth of riding and then have to do a 90 minute to two hour run with working sets in it. That's, you know, that's going to prepare you really well for a race. Totally. Yeah. I really like that. That's a good, a good, uh, a good takeaway. People can, can kind of uh, steal that and try and recreate that in, in their own training. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the, yeah, I think it's, I think that's good. I think some of the key takeaways are like, you know, timing and how you set up your season and, and then you can really use that to, to make these gravel races or these other kind of adventures help make you a stronger triathlete instead of just kind of taking away from how you're racing triathlon. Yeah. And the only additional thing that it has, if you're looking on the other side of, let's say, um, you know, running a marathon or an ultra or something, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes and this could be like a whole nother topic. So I'll just, just brush on it and, and you can review some of our older episodes, but running is a little bit of a different animal. I mean, if you're planning to run a fast marathon, you definitely want to plan that outside of your triathlon season. So gravel racing, there's a little bit more and like these long epic bike racing events. I know we've talked a bit about that before is they, they can domino into a, a strength into your triathlon season, running a fast marathon or running an ultra obviously is going to take a lot more out of you. And really the adjustment in your triathlon training program is quite a bit different. And the recovery from that is quite a bit different. And it can be a lot trickier to perform well in your triathlon with adding that into the middle of the season. So I will caution people with that. I think I have a lot of athletes doing some ultra swim stuff in their triathlon season. So some, um, cold water, 10 K open water swim, stuff like that. I think those are pretty easy to incorporate right into your triathlon training. So, and to do those events and just stay steady with your regular triathlon training, just adding more, you know, a couple of really long swims, some open water swims and some frequency and that kind of stuff and, and really successful. So we, I know we have a past episode that we dive into those three and how that fits and all of that. So people can listen to that, but it is, I think as we talk, which this, we really wanted to touch on the unbound thing because this is relevant to this period of time and these gravel races, but uh, when you, if you're thinking, oh, well, I don't really gravel race. This isn't me, but I want to run a marathon. I want to do an ultra, or I want to go do this big, you know, swim race. They are different and different approaches on those ones. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a really good point. And I'm a big fan of the, the 10 K running race. If people are looking to add a running race in the middle of their triathlon training, I like, yeah, I like the 10 K marathon is takes a lot to recover from. Yeah. Yeah. Fun conversation for sure. So hopefully people got a chance to watch maybe and cheer on some of the people at Unbound. It's a definitely, a, I think we're putting this out right after it's done. So we'll get to see the results of it. And if people haven't heard of it, and this is the first time you're hearing of this event, you'll look it up. It's pretty epic and it's pretty amazing endurance event in terms of just endurance in our, in our world. And, and um, yes, look for some, look for some great photos and some really, really you know, I'm sure people walk away with that with stories of a lifetime. I know that the girl that I trained for it, she, I, it'll be a day that she'll never forget for the rest of her life. 
Yeah, it looks like there's a pretty strong triathlon contingent out there this year. So uh, check the results and see how the uh, the triathletes did. And like I said, there are some Tucsonians there. So yeah, good luck to all, all the triathletes and Tucsonians racing out there. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. Super fun. Uh, yeah, thank you. Cheers. I'll just cut this out. I can't figure out how to stop it. You're still recording. So I bye. Know. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>